SEO is a topic I often see discussed in copywriting Facebook groups and across the interwebs. And most copywriters either seem scared of it, confused by it, or just overwhelmed by how to package it and sell it to clients. The question I'm most often asked, what does an SEO copywriter actually do? And can you even call yourself an online writer if you don't have mad SEO skills? In today's episode, Belinda and I will walk you through what we think SEO copywriting really means, how to do it, and how it can become a valuable arrow in your copywriting quiver. Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Kate Toon. I'm the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and Australia's premier copywriting conference, hashtag CopyCon. And with me is the lovely Belinda Weaver. Hello there, everyone. My name is Belinda Weaver. I am a copywriter. My business is Copyright Matters, and that's where you'll find a lot of resources about writing copy and creating a copywriting business. Hurrah, hurrah. So before we start, can you just acknowledge quickly how cool me saying copywriting quiver was? I was going to make a comment on that. Oh, thank goodness you worked quiver into the intro. You can see why I get paid the big bucks, can't you? I mean, seriously. Um, And segueing from big bucks into today's topic, SEO copywriting is obviously a very popular topic because it can be a very uh, lucrative form Mm. of copywriting, a great thing to niche down in. Um, And I just want to, before we get too deep in, be very clear about the intent of this episode. We're not going to teach you the ins and outs of SEO copywriting, where to place keywords. If keyword density is a thing, it's not. If you want to learn about that kind of thing, there are ample resources online. And of course, both Belinda and I have SEO copywriting courses and ding ding and all that. So We are instead really going to talk about what SEO copywriting is and how you can offer it as a service. So let's start with the basics. What is an SEO copywriter, Belinda? What do you think? Well, I always describe an SEO copywriter as someone who can write persuasively in a way that helps search engines match the content that's being written to the queries that are being made because that's what a search engine's job is, to match content with searches. So it's writing persuasively, but with those key flags in it for those search engines. Is that, are we, are we going to align on this or have I got that wrong? I'm not sure if we're going to align on this one. <gasps> now, I think that, I mean, I think that is kind of the lowest rung of SEO copywriting. Yes. So writing persuasively all copy, that's just copywriting one-on-one. The SEO element, as you said, is kind of helping Google make that connection between the words you've used on the page and queries that people are typing in to Google. But it's just, for me, so much more than just the writing, I guess. And I think this is the, the problem that we have with this description because to effectively do that, which sounds quite simple, doesn't it? Mm. You know, pop your keywords here and there. It sounds like you need to know so much more. So you need to understand why the keywords were chosen and what the intent was and what the competition was and the click-through rate and what the potential to rank is. You need to understand how technically sound the website is because, you know, no amount of good SEO copy will save a technically flawed website. It's yeah, like, you know, so you can't true. out-exercise poor nutrition. You can't outright poor technical sites. You need to understand, like, what kind of authority the website has, how much um, how much equity it has, how many backlinks it's got, it's got pointing to it. Because 
there are expectations. If I'm going to pay an SEO copywriter and they say that they are really good at matching search engine queries to my content, well, then I'm going to hope that after they've written this, my site's going to rank for the keywords, but it's not necessarily going to because yeah. all those other factors could be playing against you. And I think that's the issue that I have with a lot of the SEO copywriting courses. They just teach the writing bit, maybe the keywords bit a little bit, but they don't teach all the other bits which could potentially completely ruin your copy. You know what I mean? So here's a question, and we're going to dig into this. We're, we're kind of jumping ahead, but it's in a good way. So I feel like a lot of the things you've said are essential. I 100% agree. But I also feel like they're, they play into an SEO strategist rather than an SEO copywriter. Is, are they great? Are they the same thing? Well, I guess... Yes, you could argue that that's a strategist job, just as you could also argue that, like, you know, you shouldn't be telling the client what they should have in their navigation. That's a UX expert's job. And you shouldn't be telling the client, you know, how to brand themselves. That's a branding expert's job. And you shouldn't be telling them how to do their content planning because that's a content strategist job. But the problem is most clients don't have an SEO strategist, a mm. UX strategist branding strategies and I think I feel like it's behooven of us as copywriters I'm pulling them all out today baby um to just make the client aware and okay yes yeah, so if you're not confident with the tech the backlinks whatever tell the client but as a client I'd much rather work with an SEO copywriter who knows all of it rather than just one tiny bit and mm. the problem I have with a lot of writers online is they say yeah yeah I can write your website copy I don't really know anything about SEO but I can still write your website copy and it's like well, without knowing about SEO the site's not going to come up on Google and For sure. if you're not on Google you're not on the internet so while I don't think you need to necessarily be expert level I think you need to be very clear to the client what you do and don't know and I think if you can learn a little bit about those other aspects it's going to serve you really really well 100% um, I absolutely yeah. agree so let's yeah. let's take a, a little walk through history and explain where we because I feel like when we got started in this it it wasn't like we I feel like when we got yeah. into this it, it was cut it was coming from keyword density, right? Keyword density, dude, was a thing I feel like when I started getting in. So how did you get to know so much about SEO, especially in the beginning? So I used to work at an agency in the UK called advertising.com and uh, we did help clients with uh, paid ads and um, uh, remarketing a long, long time ago. So this is like maybe, well, I don't know, gosh, now 20, maybe years ago so don't think SEO about it too long <laughs> I know SEO no not 20 years ago more like I was 25 I was thinking anyway so SEO was very much in its infancy I just want to say something right up front I'm not sure keyword density was ever a thing so we can I don't think that. so yeah uh, but yeah so I as part of helping with paid ads you also you, you know obviously do a lot of keyword research and SEO was just beginning you know there were title tags there were meta descriptions back then there was also the keywords tag back then that you still used and it was much easier to put your keywords in there and it kind of worked you know backlinks was, were a thing um, but obviously there were no mobile phones back then so site speed wasn't such an issue but you know there was still google was much simpler but it still had to make the connection between if someone's typed in banana let's find a site that has the word banana in it mm -hmm. and and you know back then it was things like if bananas in the url 
that will make a difference. But yes. these days isn't. Or they've used banana 72 times on the homepage. Great. That must be a real banana site. And things have just got easier. So I used to help clients do that at advertising.com. Then I came to Australia um, and I worked in agencies again. And then I was doing um, SEO for like big banks and people like Pedigree Chum. And then after, and a lot of it is learning on the job because mm. there were no real resources then. I watched, I watched an awful lot of Rand Fishkin's Whiteboard Fridays. I was in a lot of forums and groups. And then when I went out on my own to, uh, to be a freelancer and become an SEO, I joined an awful lot of Google communities. Google Plus was the thing then. And there were, it was just lots and lots of blokes, to be honest. And I would ask questions and they would all lambast me for being stupid. Like, how can you not know that? Everyone knows blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, you don't. It was really yeah. hard, actually, though, Belinda, like back in the day, because I, I was often the only woman in the group. Yeah. So you had a lot of attention for your posts regardless. Um, so I just learned a lot by asking questions. And I also experimented a huge amount on my own site. And then obviously as time has gone on, there's more and more resources and there's blogs and things like SEM Rush have come along and Ahrefs and there's loads of learning now but as you said back in the day there wasn't very much at all back in yeah. those days what about you how did you learn yeah and lots of reading online and lots of practicing on my own website that was pretty much it um and just I have to admit I I realized pretty early on that to write online copy SEO would become an integral part of that so I felt like um, when I got into SEO copywriting and I started educating myself, it felt like a niche. Like it was mm -hmm. a really strong way to differentiate yourself because other copywriters just weren't going in that direction. Whereas now, and one of the things we're talking about today is how it is just part of online, the online world. I love that you've said that because I totally agree. Like that was my niche. I didn't niche down by, um, you know, vertical or industry. I, my, I niche down by SEO copywriting. That's what mm. I positioned myself as. And also I learned out of necessity because when I became a freelancer and I typed copywriter into Google, right. there were thousands. And I remember we always talk about good, good old Glenn Murray. Yes. Uh, and he, we interviewed him on the podcast very early on days. Glenn Murray just dominated the search results. He was number one for everything. I bought his um, book. He'd been around for longer than us, hadn't he? I think like yep. two or three years he'd been around. He worked with um, Darren Rouse, who we've also done an episode with and written a book about SEO copywriting yeah it's like how am I going to beat Glenn Murray do you know what I mean I didn't know him then either um now I know him and I'm, I've had my fangirl moment and now he's just normal but uh, <laughs> back then I was like that's he's he's my running partner he's the person who's just ahead of me I'm going to use I'm going to read his stuff I'm going to see how he's done it and then I'm going to pretty much do the same but better and I yep. did and he forever curses me for knocking him off the top spot for, for everything. So it was necessity. I wanted to be found. And so I learned how to do SEO copywriting. And then people see you being found. And what better proof is there that you know about SEO than you're yeah. ranked number one. And then you're hired to teach other people how to do it. And of course, yeah. that has become my whole business. I no longer have clients. All I do is teach other people how to replicate, not just copywriters, but small business owners and e-commerce stores because I've done it myself. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it my, new business. My, my niche became my side hustle, became my business. Yeah, which yeah. is awesome. Anyway, wibbling on about the past. Um, let's talk about the present. So this is back to my point, kind of going back a little bit, but one of my pet hates, as I said, is when people say, I can write your website copy, but I don't know anything about SEO. I don't think that you can really write website copy without knowing about SEO. What do you think? Um, 
I think I think you can, but it's whether you can and you should. You got yes. to can. <laughs> That's exactly you? right. Like it'll be a hundred percent focused on the customer journey without considering being found by a search engine. And I have to admit, there are some businesses who have really strong pipeline development that really don't involve being found without some kind of personal connection. Uh, I, that's okay. I know that happens, but do I agree that that's a sound way to do a business? No. Do I agree that ignoring Google is wise? No. And do I think a copywriter who writes online copy can ignore SEO? No. I just like you can, yes, but no, you shouldn't. Yeah, I mean that's it. Like if you if you if you know ninety nine percent of your leads are coming through, well, whatever, whatever, then yeah. great. But at the end of the day, I think even if you have uh, you know your personal connection and that's how you're getting your leads, what do most people do before they buy anything from anybody? They Google, sure. yeah, because they want to make sure that it, it is all the things. Like you know, it's like people who don't have a website. They're like, I don't need a website. It's like, well, oh. if I'm between <laughs> you and someone who has a website, and the website I can go to, and I can see other people they've worked with who had similar problems and I can see your rates and I can see your, and you're legitimate and you've got I'm going to choose the person that's got all the stuff yes. so you know at the very least you need to be able to be found for your own brand name and yeah. that's not always that easy especially if you've got a pretty generic name so even just for that you know I think you're, you know just for credence and authority and kind of you know just proving that you are who you are substantiation yeah. Absolutely. And and as you said before, if you're a copywriter, if you are writing online copy, then you just cannot ignore SEO as a thing because otherwise you're just writing brochure copy. Yeah. I mean, look, you you could, uh, I think think if you say, look, all I do is do direct mail. Mm -hmm. I don't web copy fine Legit, all i yeah. do is do flyers great but do not say that you do blog posts and web copy if you don't know anything about seo that's yeah I, I guess that's our point and i'm both of us agree on this sometimes you know that we argue i'm very but very firm on this i'm actually militant about it <laughs> <laughs> so 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 how much for, for copywriters who might be like going oh no um how oh, much do people need to know what are the basics I think we're going to start off by you need to understand how search engines work. You know, that there is a crawler, an algorithm, which is like a big long list of things that Google's looking for, and then the search engine results page. How do those three things work together? I think you need to understand that. I think you need to understand what keywords are and keyword phrases are and how they work and the difference between short keywords, head keywords, body keywords, and long tail keywords. I think you need to understand all the metrics around keywords. So what does CPC mean? You know, what, how much, what does, tra- how does traffic influence them? You know, what's click-through rate? How does that impact? What does trends, how do they, how does that impact the keyword? I think you need to understand about searcher intent, you know, the four different types of searcher intent. You've got conversion intent. Um, I won't be able to remember them now. Informational, investigational, and can't remember the fourth one because my brain is blank, but there are four and I'll give you a place where you can find out more about them. I think you need to understand the core algorithm updates, especially the ones that affect SEO, uh, copywriting. So Panda, mm-hmm. which is all about duplicate content, Hummingbird, which was all about context and Bert, which is really about natural language. Um, and I think you need to understand the, a little bit of the tech. Mm. So you need to understand how site speed affects SEO and how mobile optimization affects SEO and how crawlability affects SEO. Mm-hmm. Even if all you do when you get a new client 
is they come to you and say, look, we want some coffee. And you just do a quick little mini check of the site, look at the speed, and you go back to them and say, look, I am so happy to write your copy, but I've just looked at your site and it's taking 15 seconds to load. So I'm just going to say that I would probably work on getting that fixed while I'm writing your copy because otherwise my copy is not going to be able to do anything. Mm -hmm. Or I just look at your site on my mobile and I can't get around it and it's bad. So maybe be working on that while I'm working on your copy, you know? And, And one other thing I think is, often clients will send you a list of keywords that they've really just pulled out of their bottom. You know, oh, like yeah. clients come to me and say, I want to rank number one for cheese. Yes. Like, do you? Do you? And <laughs> you have to go back to them and say, that is not a good keyword choice because. Yes. Whether you don't want to go on and do the keyword research yourself, that's something we're going to come and talk about. But at least be able to advise the client that their choices are bad because otherwise you're kind of, you're taking money and for something that they hope is going to work and you know already it's not going to. Yes. And I just don't think that's, I think that's dishonest and you shouldn't do that. I, th- I agree. And we're going to talk about how to set expectations with your client. But I think as soon as someone asks you about SEO copywriting, you have to have ready to go a little education little spiel that helps you set the context of the copy and how it's only one piece of the whole puzzle. Like you have to be able to educate clients so that they have the right expectations. And to your point in the intro, in order to do that, you have to understand how it works. Yeah. 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 And I agree, like, you know, how it all works and the updates that are happening because it impacts you as a, and your career as a copywriter, you have to be able to find the keywords yourself because in my experience, clients say, oh yeah, we can give you the keywords. And then I get a list of 75 single word keywords. And I'm like, no, but you can't just go back to a client and go, no, you have to be able to help them take the next step. Um, and then absolutely about that search or intent. And that's, you know, stages of awareness. And that's just from a copywriting point of view as well. You have to be able to understand how, how people search online and what it is they're actually looking for. So you can write content that matches. So totally. if, if the tech frightens you, there is so much more just to understanding what people are looking for and what they need. And you need to know that as a copywriter. Yeah, I just did an episode uh, on the Recipe for SEO Success podcast with Brittany Mueller from Moz. And one of the things that we were talking about a lot was featured snippets. Now, I'm not going to go too much into this because I know you'll figure people out, but you'll have noticed that the search engine results pages are changing dramatically. And now a lot of the time when you type something into Google, you get an answer straight mm. away. You get a table or you get a bulleted list. And that and that's kind of position zero. And Google's kind of saying, this is the definitive answer. Also, if you search with voice search or on your mobile, you will often only get one result. So understanding what questions people are asking so that you can write the right answers and get that position zero is becoming essential. Uh, because these days there are so many searches online that don't even generate a click. So, you know, you, you, someone searched for that question, they've got their answer, they don't click because they don't need to. Yeah. But at least if you are that answer, then your brand is there, you're seen as an authority. It's just so, so important, you know, mm. and that, and the, what, not what I was going to say, can I swear? No, I can't swear. What poos me about that is a lot of people start out saying, oh, I can write blog posts and yeah, they can write fun, fluffy editorial kind of blog posts that no one will ever find and no one will ever read because 
they are not understanding that people who read blog posts generally have that informational intent. They're yes. at the information stage, as you mentioned, they're at the top of funnel. They have a problem. They may not know what the solution is yet. They may not know that you are the solution. So you want to really help answer their questions and give them really great factual information. But to do that, don't know what questions they're asking. Yeah. You know? I just feel that a lot of people enter into copywriting as blog writers and it's not an entry-level task. It's yes. quite an advanced task to write a blog that actually ranks and builds brand, brand and helps people and takes people down from tofu to mofu. Do you know what I mean? It's yes. actually quite a sophisticated kind of copywriting. And yet you see people in Facebook groups saying, yeah, I'll do it for $30. And it's like, you're going to well, get 800 words, but they're going to be useless. You know? Yeah, that's right. That's the difference between a $30 blog post and a $300 blog post. Exactly, mm. yeah. So, so if people... Um, if the tech is really putting people off and they just want to do that low rung, just want to write the copy, what's that pared down list of what they oh, need sorry, to the tech stuff. So, yeah, sorry, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go through that again because I was a bit messed up on that. Um, the tech stuff, site speeds, responsiveness, crawlability, those would be my core ones. And mm. there are lots of tools out there like Woo Rank and Pin, Pingdom Site Speed Tool. Um, and also, you know, I hope you don't mind me spooking it, but I have a course called SEO Nibbles, not Nipples, which uh, explains some of these things top level. And it leads into a very cheap course, about $60, which teaches you the first 10 things you need to know about SEO. Awesome. Um, from, We're going to link to that, everyone. Yeah, from, do from it. Te- a little bit of tech, a little bit of keyword stuff. You know, and I would just say, look, even if you do that, you will know a lot more than a lot of the copywriters out there that I know. So give it a pop. So, mm. yeah. Sorry for the promo. We don't usually do promos, but I'm <laughs> 100% <laughs> um, worth it. Thank you, Belinda. So um, when you're offering SEO copywriting, let's think about this. So someone's sitting there now going, well, look, I, I'm confident about saying I'm an SEO copywriter. I've learned this other stuff. What does your service page include? Like, here's your page. I do SEO copywriting. What should be on that page? Mm, I think it's the copy, obviously. Um, now, I just want to clarify, I'm coming at it from a fairly simple level. I'm a, I'm, I would say I'm a bottom-rung SEO copywriter. For the, all the other things that I know, if for me, it's just about educating the client about what I don't do. <laughs> but no, that's I, perfect. I yeah, and really I like to have strong connections so I can say, look, I don't do it, but here are some great names of people yeah. that you can contact. So for me, I would say the copywriting, it's the title tags and meta descriptions, which so many people just ignore and then the developer writes them. I do not understand how people do that as an add-on or like, oh, yeah, I'll do your copy and then titles and meta descriptions are extra. They're like integral. The title yes. type is the most important on-page factor. And yet, yet, as you said, either they're not done or they're left to the developer. It's yes, insane. absolutely. And then I think keywords. Now, I, I have often just had like a basic keyword thing just to kind of say for clients, because a lot of clients I've worked with definitely in the early years, they were really small businesses. You know, they just wanted some, uh, they didn't want a five hour keyword package or anything like that. Um, and I would have that as an upsell mainly because I tried to outsource that. I hate yes, keyword yes. research. <laughs> so any, anyone with any sense does. Yeah. So they're the three things, the copy, the meta and title description, the tags, and then the keywords. They were the three components for me. So in your basic package that you offered for keyword research, what did mm. you include in, in, in that? 
Um, I used to allocate some time for it. And this is where I often got kind of tripped myself up because if someone's going to be charged for a service, they want to know that they have some value. Whereas, and most often than not, I found I would come back to some keywords that seemed fairly obvious. And you you can't give them a list of 20 keywords. It's just maybe one to three keywords. And if a client's saying, well, I just paid all this money and you've just given me a handful of words, this doesn't feel valuable. So I would create a report. And this is where I would often hate my life because I would want to create this report that looked valuable, but I would know it would just get filed away. So there was this kind of idea of here is a token thing. So you can feel like you have got something in return. Yeah, I see. Because I, so when I did keyword research, I'll go, I'll go through um, what I would include, but I see a lot of those reports. Mm. You know, I see the fluff and nonsense. Fluff, you know, it's just loads of grids. Um, so, you know, when I used to do it, I would, you know, you would do, there's a whole process of it. And this is something I, I teach in, in the course and um, we could do a whole episode on this. Maybe we should. Um, but it can be really time consuming. It can throw you down the rabbit hole and you can mm. spend hours in it. So you need to set um, strict parameters. And usually that's done by the number of keywords, but that doesn't make much sense to me because it's like, it takes as long to find 20 keywords as 30, to be honest. Do you know mm. what I mean? I don't know if that's a great way of doing it. So, you know, my process is to brainstorm. So as you said, just come up with all the obvious ones, some great tools like Keyword Sheeta used to be ruder, but now it's, it's called Keyword Sheeta. There's, you know, there's Uber Suggest. And that's just creating a universe of copy keywords that you can think of, questions. Then next thing I do is I go through and look at the searcher intent. So there's no point me doing keywords that are informational keywords when I'm trying to write product pages, because that's those, those, the, key, the keywords for those pages should have conversion intent. Mm. So I go through and I look at the intent. So, you know, things that are like, what is a vacuum cleaner? That person doesn't really want to buy the vacuum cleaner. But if, if the keyword comes up, affordable vacuum cleaners online, that's a keyword I want because that's got conversion intent. So mm. I, go, I go through and identify the intent and say, these ones are informational, these ones, whatever. And then I look at competition. So how competitive are the keywords? And I look at traffic. And obviously I'm looking for low competition and high traffic, which is very hard to find. Yes. And this, you use competition and traffic on a broad sense, it's useless. What it's really useful for doing is like when you have two keywords that you're not sure which one should be your main one and which one should be a synonym, like, you know, home, home loans and mortgages for homes, you know, and one of them's got like a thousand searches a month and the other one has a thousand searches a month, but the competition on one is just slightly lower. Great. There's your focus keyword, Yeah, you know? And I think the problem a lot of keyword research is people are looking for really obvious answers and often there isn't an obvious answer. And that's why yeah. I take then I look at click-through rate. So again, it's great to have a keyword that you could possibly rank for and get to position one. But if the click-through rate on that keyword is like 10%, it's like, well, that's, you know, it's got 10 searches a month and only 10% of people click through. That's one a month. So is it worth wasting all this time optimizing yeah. that keyword when I'm going to get one visitor a month and my conversion rate is 3%, it's going to take me you know, an entire, <laughs> it's going to take me a long time to get a conversion from that yeah. keyword. Yeah. Then I look at what existing content is already ranking because a lot of 
uh, CEO of copywriters, I'm doing air fingers, actually undo good work. So keywords that are already ranking, they then rewrite the page and the pages lose their ranking. So, you know, sometimes a client will ask you to write a, uh, rewrite a page of copy or create a page of copy and you have to go back to them and say, no, do not touch this page. It is already doing well. We can tweak this and this, we can change the intro and whatever, but I'm not, I'm not doing it. Or no, I'm not going to create another page of content because you already have a a page ranking for this. And if I create another page, you're going to cannibalize your mm-hmm. effort. Again, and this, this kind of stuff, talking to a client, is why understanding the whole SEO universe yeah. is so useful because yeah. that is gold advice that a client would be like, thank you so much. You have just yeah. made yourself much more valuable to that client. Exactly. Like telling them what they don't want to do is as important as telling them what they should do. So then when I've looked at the existing content and I've mapped that to the keywords, then I look at competitive content, what's already out there. Can I compete? So I think I found this keyword. It's got great traffic. It's low competition. The click-through rate is pretty good. But then I actually go and Google it. And in position one is a huge brand leader. And on their page, it's not just a page. It's a 72-page mega post with a video and a downloadable. Okay. <laughs> it yeah. looks great in the tool, but there's a really important thing to step away from the tool and actually see what's really there. So that will help me. All of this is helping narrow that massive list down to 20. Once I've got my keywords and they're all other, then I need to group them. So I need to create them into little gangs with like a leader of the pack. And then it's like, it's homies, you know, a focus keyword and then the synonyms for that phrase. So you know, they could, they're things like plurals and, you know, adjectival versus nouns, copywriting, copywriter, you wouldn't have separate pages for those, mm. but they could also be keywords that have the same searcher intent. So, you know, uh, how to knit a piglet jumper has the same searcher intent as knitting patterns for piglets. Would you have two separate pages? No, the person's going to be satisfied. So again, that might cause you to write fewer pages for the client, which mm. is good, you know? Um, and then once I've got my little gangs, I map them to the relevant pages. So I say, this is the focus keyword for this page. Here are the synonyms. Then I can't use that focus keyword again, really. Yeah. I have another one. And I'd go through and create like an Excel spreadsheet of each of the things. So you can see it's a job. It's a big yeah. job. You see, to do that for a client and do a proper thing of it, not a, not a first run thing. Yeah, that is about, that could be the whole day of your life doing that, even once you set up a template. Um, so, and again, the, the hardest thing is, is exactly what you just said in the beginning, Belinda. Often after all that process and all that research, you end up with the exact keywords you thought of in the first place. Yeah. The difference is, you know why you're using them. Yeah. And you're confident that they're right, you know. But often it is common sense. But at least you can say to the client, I have done due diligence on this. And I think it's going to get you good results. And if you're offering any kind of guarantee, which we have to sometimes do with conversion, copywriting and things, if you're saying, I am going to get you good results, then you have to do this process. Oh, God, yeah. Otherwise, you know, and, and the, the, I know I'm waffling, but one of the things I think that's often done in the SEO world is the client will go, I, the SEO person will say, I can get you number one ranking for this keyword phrase, but they've deliberately chosen a phrase that has no traffic, no competition. Oh, God, no yeah. Yeah. And then they get you to number one and you're like, well, look, I'm ranking. I see this in Facebook groups all the time. I'm ranking really well for this keyword phrase. And I'm like, no one has ever typed that into Google. Yes, <laughs> you know? that's right. And even if they did, they wouldn't expect your product and they wouldn't buy it, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that so, was long, but I just wanted to that. <laughs> freaking gold, everyone. Gold. Um, so would you, 
how would you package that information? A report? Because, you know, I mentioned yes. the, the trap of a report. Is it? No, it's I, I, I would do a report. I mean, I would end up with an Excel spreadsheet. Mm. So in my big course, The Recipe for SEO Success, is that there's a whole process of the brainstorming sheet and then putting in all that information about competition and traffic and clear through it. I think you can actually buy that from the recipe shop if you want to grab it. And then... Um, then going through and mapping the searcher intents and then looking at existing content. And then there's a second sheet where you kind of go, okay, here's my focus keyword. Here's my synonyms. Here's my title tag. Here's my meta description. Here's my H1. Here's my image alt. Here's my image file name. You know, the seven spots where you need to include your keywords, which you probably already know. And then that, then, then that is what I give to the client. So it's, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily do, I may, what I would probably do is do a, a video with them, a discussion. Um, because as you said, the report will be filed. So often I will present the keyword report to them on zoom. They get to keep the video. And I say, look, here's what I started with. Here's the ones you gave me. Here's my brainstorm. Then I put them through the tools and here's the searcher intent, but these ones have really high competition. So I didn't pick those mm -hmm. and these ones have really low traffic. So I didn't pick those. This one looks good, but the click-through rate's bad. So I didn't pick that one. And this one you're already ranking for. So we're not going to write that. You can just take them through each of the steps and explain why from the hundred keywords I started with, we've ended up with, you know, seven groups of keywords. Because at the end of the day, we only need as many keywords as we have pages. Yeah. And that's where we should start. You put the pages in that you're going to write. You're writing 10 pages. Well, then you need 10 focus keywords and little packs of synonyms to go with them. And that yeah. should be where you start because otherwise you will fall down the rabbit hole of just researching keywords with no end goal. You yes, know? absolutely. So you're writing a page about financial services for um, farmers straight away the keyword that comes to mind is financial services for farmers and then you use that as your baseline to go well what other phrases might people type in yes oh actually banking services for farmers has more traffic and lower competition i'm going to go with that you know i can still say financial services copyright is on the page but that's going to be my focus and and go from that point of view go with the obvious expand your universe then reduce it again. Yeah. So you end up with just the one. I hope that makes sense. We could do a yeah, whole episode of it, but um, you know, I've tried to explain it briefly. And we no, said we wouldn't explain SEO, but we kind of. Yeah, here we are. But I love that idea that the, the report doesn't need to be kind of fancy and fluffy and long. Uh, you walk people through your method and your choices, and that expresses the value of the time you have spent. So. A sexy Excel spreadsheet is often more valuable than a 30-page PDF Word document, I think. So, yeah. Nice. Um, so tools essential for SEO copywriting. We've just talked about keywords. So yeah, lay down so your top tools. Um, well, look, if I think if you're going to be serious about being a, an SEO copywriter to any degree, you probably need one of the big three. So you probably need Moz, Ahrefs, or... Um, SEM Rush. Uh, there's also a new one, Serpstat. I'm mentioning it because they voted me SEO Woman of the Year or something. Ooh, gave you a nice glass award. They did, totally pointless, but there we go. Um, but yes, that's another one a little bit cheaper. Um, and those tools allow you to do so much. They allow you to do everything. They're all in one tools. If you can't afford one of those, then you kind of, you need to have like a kind of corral of freebies. So I talked about Keyword Sheeter and Uber Suggest. And um, uh, what's the one about what's, where's the answer? The answer one with the beardy man. Yeah, with the beardy uh, man. Answer the public. They just changed yeah. the beardy man though to a hot beardy man. He's no longer the baldy beardy man. He's a hot beardy man. It's a real shame. Anyway, those are good for coming up with the kind of brainstorm. 
Yeah. Um, then you're going to need a more comprehensive tool that gives you things like competition, traffic, click-through rate. A lot of that is going to come out of something like SEMrush. Um, for word for the mapping it's really a process of excel there's no real tool there are tools that will do that but i just don't think they do a great job um and then obviously there's lots of other seo tools for things like the tech and the mobile usability but we won't go into those too much because that's more the techie stuff and if you want to learn that you're probably going to have to kind of yeah like do a little course and then learn how to use the tools but mm. at the basics Keyword cheater, Uber suggests, answer the public, and then possibly something like SEM Rushmore's SEO SERPs that to analyze the keywords a little bit. Do you mm. have any you love? Do you um well, do you do you still use word word cloud tools? I Let's sometimes do. do. So <laughs> I love I still use word cloud tools. <laughs> I mean, you know, neither of us believe in density, but it does just help you go. So what I will do is I'll do all that work like I said, and I'll have my little focus keyword and my synonyms, and then I will throw that post-it note away yes. and write the best damn page of copy I can. Yes. And then I kind of make myself go back and just check that I've used it. And the word cloud is really good for going, oh gosh, I meant to use banking services for farmers, but in the end, I did use financial services way too much. That's massive. And I've actually only used banking services once or twice. And while yes. we don't think keyword density is a thing, you do have to kind of vaguely mention it. So I will go back through and just double check that I've used it in my title tag, my meta description, my H1, my first 100 words, my URL, my image alt, my image file name, and then a couple of subs. Yeah, yeah. I, I use the word clouds in exactly the same way because, you know, we're talking about using, I say, as frequently as, as is natural. Yes. And it can just be a little instant, you know, Really quick litmus test on whether that word pops up or it doesn't. You know what? It also really helps. Clients love them. So what can I, I know. Like do is screen grab of them in the copy, and the client like goes, "Oh, I get it now." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the one I add. And like I mentioned outsourcing earlier, and I think keywords is a big one to outsource. Is there anything else that is right for outsourcing for the people who are like, I know I need to do this, but I don't want to. I'd say keyword research. Absolutely. You know, um, that, that's definitely something that you could outsource. I think I would have uh, someone in your world, in your little village who can do SEO audits um, who can do backlink audits, who could do tech audits. So mm-hmm. they're all in one. So I used to offer, you know, SEO audits where I would like, you know, review all the tech stuff, look at their backlinks, look at their competitors and go back to them and say, here are the first 20 things you need to fix. And that could be a really great thing that could be happening while you are writing the copy. And so the client's getting double whammy. Do you know what mm. I mean? So I have a, a guy that I use called the, the WordPress guy um, and he has like a $99 audit or $150 audit he will then audit all the techie stuff they can be fixing that while I'm writing the beautiful copy you know yes absolutely (laughs) and services like that if you if you really want to embrace being an SEO copywriter services like offering an SEO audit is a great way to prep clients to work with you Yes, exactly. So it's that great kind of intro service, same as if like I, I have a, uh, had a copywriting health check. It's that it answers yeah. the question, where am I at? Is it any good? Do I need help? And you're like, la, la, yes, you do. And I'm just the person to help you. And also sometimes you're like, la, la, no, you don't. Yes. So thank you, bye. And I feel good. You know, I still got paid for my little health check. Yeah. But, but, you know, often a health check is an affirmation that you're actually doing okay and you don't need to change anything right now. But that's why it's really important. And often I think what's good about the outsourcing part of that is that's why I quite like the person doing the audit 
to not be me because it legitimizes it. Like this person has said you need to do all of this, but they're not the ones who are going to do it. So when I did my SEO audits, I'd say, here's the answers. Here's everything you need to do. I'm not going to do it for you Mm -hmm. because therefore I'm not invested in finding problems that aren't there that or that aren't really there. Yes. You know what I mean? Because I don't benefit from finding more problems than there are. I think that's quite important. And well. you're also not responsible once yes. they're all fixed for Checking ranking to ranking. still not be a thing. Exactly. And that's something we should say, you know, uh, while we're saying that it's important to know about these techie things or to outsource them, this is, we are not talking about offering ongoing SEO services. Mm-mm. Ongoing SEO is very different to writing copy for websites. Ongoing SEO is about building backlinks. It's about continually monitoring keywords. It's about looking for opportunities to build authority. And it's a very thankless task. Mm-hmm. Because even if you're doing the best thing in the world, it's like PR. You can write a great press release mm. and send it to all your media contacts and get no coverage, but you still did all the work. SEO is the same. You can do all the things and still not get results. So I would approach offering ongoing SEO with extreme caution. Yes, 100%. (laughs) um, We've got a few questions to finish off. I've got a few um, questions from my group and some from yours. So the first one is uh, from Kate Merriweather. uh, And she says, how do you set expectations regarding SEO results? So a client comes to you and says, write my copy, I really want to rank number one. Mm -hmm. How do you manage that expectation? Well, the the tip that I gave earlier was that having that kind of education spiel, I think you need to explain in your discovery call that the content is just one piece of the puzzle. Um, And as part of that, and it doesn't have to be a 20-minute spiel, it can just be like five or 10 minutes giving them a whistle and dime tour of the fact that there's the website coding, that there's the linking, there's the content, and it all needs to work together. There's all these other things just to set the context. And then I think you need to repeat that kind of information when you hand the copy over, just to remind them, especially if other people have become involved in the project. And you need to have it in your terms and conditions. So it's just repeatedly reminding people about the scope of the work. Yes, I totally agree. I think I have something in my terms and conditions template that says, you know, while we endeavor to do our best work, we cannot guarantee results because Mm -hmm. Google, yeah, very important. Mm. Um, So the next question is from Lisa Cropman and she says, what kind of level of reports do you send to clients and how do you follow up? So we kind of talked about that in terms of the keyword report. Um, so I think we kind of covered that. Do you have anything to add there? No, I just think um, I loved your idea of walking people through the spreadsheet. And it, I mean, it could, it doesn't necessarily need to even be a Zoom call. We've talked about Loom before. You can pre-record something, but I think that is much more useful than the kind of report that I used to create, which was a lot of fluff to look valuable. Try and consider how you can create genuine, valuable content without it taking a long time. Yeah, exactly. Love love a loom. Mm. Uh, really great way to do it. And also the good thing about providing that video is that they can watch it again and again. They can show it to other people within the business. You don't have mm-hmm. to explain it several times. So that's really, really useful. Um, the next question I have is from Lilani Gunasena. I hope I said that right. I always say it wrong. The thing I struggle with in SEO research is knowing when to stop. I could spend eight hours on research and then do more the next day. I know that that's ridiculous, but it's hard to draw the line. So in terms of packages, can you suggest an idea for how much time equals package A, package B, etc.? So... Uh, Belinda, you've got some top line ideas. Let's just go through them one by one. Yeah, and I have to admit, like I'm 
I'm pretty far out of this. I'm like, and I, so I, re- I welcome you to go. That's BS, Bill. Why don't I go? Why don't <laughs> yeah. I go? And yeah. So I think package package one, which is Belinda's idea, is that you say I'll write the copy and your title and your meta descriptions. Yeah. So I don't need to be thinking of the page content and the meta descriptions as separate jobs. It's just you know three hours per page. Yeah. yeah. And in that, you get your title, your meta, your headline, and all the words on the page. It's all one thing. So that'd be package one, just the baseline thing. The next one would be um, a separate package for keyword research. You do not include it in your main thing. I don't, don't think you should do, I think you should almost do like shopping list. So mm-hmm. here's my base package. Here are my add-ons. That's the way I'd approach it. Yes. So you know, add-on is a keyword research uh, report like we've talked about uh, you've got seven pages I need to find seven keywords and their synonyms so I'm going to maybe say five hours to do that so five mm-hmm. hour keyword report it's going to come in at like six nine seven I don't know what your rate is something like that um, if there's 20 pages it's going to be nine nine seven so it does depend on how many pages you're creating content for um, then you could say maybe you could have an audit in there as well um, you could have a backlink report so I'd add them all as like separate little entities um, there's great you know in some of the proposal uh, templates that you can get you can just have uh, I can't remember which one it is but you can um have your core pricing and then they can literally check a box on each the of the upsells and yeah. upsells them, which is really cool. Um, but I think the thing is with SEO, as with any research, as with blog research and anything like that, it will take as long as you give it. Yes. So um, you have to point. approach it the other way around. I have four hours. What can I achieve in that? Yeah. And that'll take some time to work out. You maybe need to toggle your time and see how long things are taking you. And be really honest with yourself if you did fall down a rabbit hole that you fell down that wasn't the client's fault and maybe they shouldn't be billed for it. Uh, yeah. Um, it's hard. It I, is I a think, hard one. Yeah, these kind of services, it should be fixed price. Yes, like oh, your other absolutely. things where you go, this is how much it's going to cost, which means you've had to think about how long you are going to spend on it. And you might yeah. say, yes, I'm going to spend... 30 to 45 minutes on each page doing keyword research or something like that. And then you set a timer and you get it done. Um, And if you're going to take longer, then that's just not billable work. Or, I mean, it is billable, but your hourly rate is going down. So as you said, the key to anything is you just have to be tight on time. And the pre-call to that is knowing how long things take you. So here's a question as well as part of that package. What about things like, alt text and other kind of file naming recommendations and stuff like that. Oh, I include that in the page copy. So in my copy yeah. deck template that I have, you know, it's literally all labeled out. So this is the title, this is the meta, um, this is the H1, this is the, the first image on the page, this is the, what the image file name should be, and mm-hmm. this is what the alt tag should be. Because it's pretty easy. Whatever your focus keyword is, the image alt tag is image, you know, is the keyword. The yeah. image file is, you know, file hyphen name jpeg. You know, it's pretty straightforward. So I provide all of that as part of my copywriting. It's just mm. it's how, I, how I roll, basically. It's not a separate thing because um, I just think it's part of the page and, you know, it's not extra work. And what about clients who go, oh, I don't, I don't know what images. So can you deduct that? Can you reduce the package? Because I don't want you to write the image stuff yet because I don't know what images I'm going to have. Well, you know that they're going to have at least one image on the page, yeah. so you can provide that, you know, and then if they want additional, like if they're, uh, uh, you know, they want to have 17 images on the page, again, it's pretty straightforward because it's the synonyms of your focus keyword. So yeah. they their file names. So I don't think we should be 
kind of because that's all of that is core you know it has to be done yes you know you can't not do that you can't leave that to the developer that is the copywriter's job so but the keyword research could be outsourced but actually the elements on the page that is all your job that is all mm. part of the page you can't give someone a page of seo copywriting and say oh but if you want the titles and meta that's another 30 dollars a page no 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 because the titles and metas are part of the page yes. you see what i mean so that's yes. why i don't i think you can draw a distinction on different services but whatever appears on the page is your responsibility absolutely and you know the question the reason i asked it is because you will get clients who try and haggle you on little bits and pieces because clients always do like oh can you just cut down the research time or can you can you cut down a revision or can you not proofread you're like no this is the core service and this is what's included and if you choose not to use it that's fine or if there's extra parts then that's an additional part of the scope but be prepared to have that conversation and be prepared to have an answer and when you have it, it's smooth. And we, we talked about this in our pricing episode way back. So if you haven't listened to that, have it. One of you know our little tricks or one of the little things that we recommend is, for example, when you write copy, you say that they get the copy and they get two free rounds of amends and proofing. Yeah. So they can't come back and say, well, I don't want you to do the amends and proofing. You say, well, okay. Or, you know, I won't do them, but you didn't pay for them anyway because they're free. So yes. you can't have anything knocked off. Do you know what I mean? So it's yes. like your SEO copywriting and included is your title meta, included for free, it's your title meta alter. If you want to position it like that, mm-hmm. then they can't come back and go, well, I, I want you to take five seconds off every page because I'm you're not writing the image alt tag you know because that's how long it would take to write okay you know it doesn't work like that yeah um, of course I think I think we know from experience that like yeah it's fair enough for a client to come back and say hey look the cost is a bit too high um is there anything you can do to reduce it but if a client starts going I want a bit of that but I don't want that I do want that it's a yeah. red flag Mm-mm. and you run as fast as you can yes <laughs> So there we go. We kind of did dig into SEO a little bit and this episode's quite a long one, but we hope you found that useful. We will try and include all the tools. I'm going to have to mem- try and remember what they all are, Belinda, and add them to the show notes. Yes. Um, <laughs> but we will add all those there and some of the other things that we um, mentioned. Um, but yeah, there we go. Um, we might come back and do another episode on keyword research if you want us to. Um, maybe let us know uh, via our Facebook page or via Twitter. Yes. And we'll do an episode on that. We would actually love... Let's just say that we would love some suggestions for topics you would love covered. Um, We have ideas, but we really want to make sure it's things you want to hear. So if you have an idea of an episode you would like us to do or someone you'd like us to interview, please let us know. That'd be Mm. great. Okay, so regular listeners will know that at this time we read a review of the show and today we're giving a shout out to Gina Golden from the US of A. Kate and Belinda are always so fun to listen to and not just because of their accents. What accent? They have tons of great advice and are always willing to share the best copywriting tips. Great show. Thank you, T- Gina. That was fantastic. And thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, the Spotify, I don't know where we are. We're everywhere. Just leave we're us all the, We're in all the places. We're on all the places. Um, your review will help us find us and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Also, don't forget to head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode. So thanks, Belinda. Thank you, Kate. And until next time, happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. 
I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriting all about 